Hi, this is Star Wars author Delilah S. Dawson, and you're listening to Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. I bypassed the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have, and I really do mean we, uh, quite a little, I don't know what you would call this, this cohort of people right here. I don't think it's really a panel. It's, it's more the collaboration to end all collaborations part two. Um, so for those of you who don't know my voice, I am Lindsay. I am from Clashing Sabers, and I'm here with five gentlemen that I met this time last year at Celebration in Chicago. And Force knows that <laughs> April 2019 is a little different than April 2020, but we all wanted to get together and kind of recreate some of the magic from Celebration Chicago. Um, So when we all met, it was literally just at a bar, at Celebration. I think it might have been, someone corrects me if I'm wrong, but I think it was at a podcaster kind of meet and greet. And we were all just out by the campfire, just round after round, having great conversations. And someone said, why aren't we recording this? So luckily, (laughs) my good friend Sam... Um, who I didn't know at the time, but since then has become a very good friend. Um, Sam brought out a Zoom recorder, and we had one of the best campfire conversations I have ever had in my life. Um, So we'll just kind of go around and do our quick little intros, and then we can get into it. So like I said, I'm Lindsay. I'm from the Clashing Sabres um, network. We have a few different shows on there, including the Clashing Sabers flagship show that I host, as well as Don't Burn the Sacred Text. Uh, we are also a nonprofit that I can get into a little bit later because, Zach, why don't you uh, you introduce yourself and your sultry voice to everyone? <laughs> well, I am uh, Zach Chrisman from Sith Talk under the Adapter Media feed. And um, yeah, I mean, that that night was absolutely phenomenal. And while we can get to it a little bit more, um, there was definitely a lot of a lot of shenanigans and a lot of fun that night that you seriously one episode couldn't even talk about. I mean, aside from the Star Wars, there's a story there that you could almost write a book about because of the craziness of what went on. Um, and so, yep. So I'm Zach from Sith Talk, and Sammy B. Why don't you plug yourself? Well, that's who I am. I'm Santa B. I am one of the hosts of Sith Talk that is on the Adapter Media Network. And uh, to really encapsulate this mad day, of course, we're talking about this bonfire took place at the end of the day. I would like to let you know that at the beginning of the day, it started with Zach and I breaking onto the floor like was it two hours early or one hour early? So it was two hours early. To put it lightly, it was a wild day that ended in the most wonderful way. Breaking and entering, um, you know, to start the day out. 
And then to end the day was probably what should have been public intoxication. Breaking bottles. You know, it's funny because most people start with drinking and then go to breaking and entering. So I really like that you guys. Put, no, we we <laughs> just we just went straight one. for it. I just know the night ended with me eating the biggest cinnamon roll of my life and then going to bed. <laughs> and I just know Ezra kept like I felt like beer just kept magically showing up throughout the night. I don't understand how. It's amazing how it that happens did. when you're with him. It is yes, unreal. Yes. So, you know what? What an intro. What an intro. As why don't you uh you defend your honor here? Well, let me tell you this. Um see uh, the the force was with us, okay? So I just felt like uh, that that whole again this uh, I'm I'm as from hyperspace hangout and uh, that was one of the just best it was well it's gonna be one of my ultimate memories like of Star Wars celebration ever it had nothing to do with panels it was like meeting friends and stuff but yeah the drink was flowing pretty freely and uh, I, I was I was you know, like the conversation would continue I'd disappear literally I would force project to the bar grab another beer be right back and uh, it just uh, there, there were there were moments where um, I, I I couldn't believe the depth of the conversation we were having, d- despite all the alcohol that was being consumed. <laughs> so it's just I don't know. It, it was it was awesome. Yeah, and that was a great social. That was a really there were so many people. Just we were at the fire right around the fire, and it was just it was it was next level. So I'm I'm real happy to be here. And well, what was happy, funny about yeah. all that was me and Sam, at least on our end, we we saw this hangout, and I knew uh, I had known Dave from balance of the force. And he was like, kind of telling me, Hey, there's this podcast hangout. You should come by man. And me and Sam were really tired by the end of that day. We we're like, I don't know. We should just go to a brewery. Sam was like, Nope, let's try this. So we get to the bar, we order a big beer and they're like, yep, that'll be $35, please. And we're like, Oh, <laughs> let's drink this beer and let's get the hell out of here. And then we just randomly went outside and we found, like, you guys literally just congregated magically. Like, I don't even know how, why, or whatever, but we were not in the mood for that kind of shenanigans. And then it just, it went down. It did. So you you did mention Balance of the Force, and we might not have Dave here, but we do have the one to balance him out. So, John, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to everyone? Uh, my name is John Pantuso. I'm with Balance of the Forest, a Star Wars podcast. My buddy Dave, who embodies the dark side, I embody the light, balancing the force. Got to agree with Zach on that one. Uh, we had really no intentions of showing up that night, and we went back and forth, and Dave said the same thing. Let's go try it and see what it is. We don't like it. We'll go. Uh, we put our shirts on that we had made. We showed up. We had We ordered a few beers. And all of a sudden, he's like, let's go. And I was like, where are we going? And he had texted Zach. And we ended up outside around the campfire. And we were like, he's like, we're just going to stay for like 30 minutes. I want you to meet Zach. Really cool guy. Sit Talk podcast. I told you about it. And I'm like, all right. I think it was almost like four or five hours later. All I know is they shut down the bar. Everybody <laughs> left. We were sitting outside. I think most of you, even Lindsay, was like, I got to be up early, guys. 
<laughs> Lindsay left before all of the shenanigans actually hey, entailed. Hey, hey, hey. VIP status here. So, so I, I knew I had a panel the next morning. I was like, I can't possibly miss it as much as I love these guys. But it's so funny because it sounds like all of us started the night with a, eh, I'm just going to go check this out. I don't know if I'm going to be into it, but I'll say. Because I remember Dave Fogel and I were kind of the reluctant we'll just check this out. If it's not good, we'll go find a bar somewhere. So Dave, kind of give us your, your quick little recap of it. Yeah. So I'm David. I'm not the other David. I'm the other, other David <laughs> uh, from the contingency plan podcast. Um, and yeah, we, I somehow got VIP tickets. I have no idea, like literally first celebration and bang, get that ultimate experience. And me and Lindsay kind of were panel buddies for a lot of it. But yeah, it was it was sort of I was talking to her. I was even talking to Ez. Ez and me sort of had a squeaky third wheel there too that wasn't wasn't into coming. And, and it, it was just one of those things like, so we're going to a hotel bar, and there might be podcast people there. Yeah, okay. And it, it wound up being probably again one of the highlights of the entire of the entire time. But I do have to ask you guys, Ez does this move when he brings you a beer. He he comes up to your side and he puts his big old hand around your shoulder and he gives you a little handshake and then just magically when that handshake disappears, you just might have something in your hand. Is that how it all went down? Because That's, that's exactly how that went. Like, I, I think my drunken mind at that point, like at about one o'clock and it wasn't, uh, John, you were saying it was like five hours. Dude, it was like eight hours. Like, it was eight <laughs> hours. We did not leave till like three in the morning. And every time I see Des, he's just like, here you go, man. Here's this beer. Drink it. I don't know how I got it, but it's here. Drink it. Have a good time. And then we go right back outside. And then he would show up outside. By the time I finished my beer, he would be outside to give me another beer. It was wild. It was absolutely wild. Is anyone sure if he was paying for those beers or not? Well, it's it's the old Jedi mind trick, you know. So I was up there just getting as many as I could. Yeah, that was. I remember. I don't remember. Again, I I, I fondly remember the the beginning of all of that, and the rest of it was was great. <laughs> but a lot of times, yeah, I had my arm around somebody, and I do remember John quite quite often. Like I had my arm around him that I was either getting a drink for somebody or I was filling up myself and. You know, that would, you know, it was, I don't know. It was... Uh, well, somebody had a whole case of Modelo. I remember that. Like, somebody <laughs> oh, just yeah. had, had, like, a 24 The, the bar wasn't Modelo selling outside. Modelo, but someone showed up toast, with it. And Forced Toast, toast would just, like, bang their own the box wine in the wine bag. outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, shout out to Forced Toast. They were the really smart ones. It was just, like, they rolled up, and they are just like, what's up, everybody? They just pulled this bag and started pouring wine out of it. <laughs> No, the craziest part was when uh, Zach and David from Balance of the Force, I mean, they just didn't stop. Like, there's this funny, funny picture I have of um, You gotta John. post that video. Uh, yeah, you know what? I think it's time. It's been a year now. It, uh, seriously, it's probably a 20 to 30 minute clip of just Zach and Dave just going at it with all this nerddom and me. And I'm just like zipping between the two of them with the camera. And John's just sitting with a fire, hands in his face, just dying like... How are we still here? <laughs> it's my favorite. Picture. I mean, at this point, me and Dave are like shit faced. Like we are gone, and I'm like, I can't even pronounce Ahsoka at the end of this. <laughs> there is proof. <laughs> oh my god! I think that's what I want to see more than anything else. Yes. I want to make that happen. To say Ahsoka when that drunk. Yeah. I think you get your nerd card taken away at that point. 
Yeah, that was bad, Zach. Like he would, him and Dave. We realized how similar Dave and Zach actually were, and how similar Sam, B, and I were. But to hear them to argue nerdum when they were completely intoxicated was awesome. <laughs> frightening. <laughs> You're like, really frightening. That's not even how that's not even how that happened in Star Wars. And Sammy B and I are just like, and Sammy B is just like video camera, like picture. And I'm just sitting over there like, I'm not that versed in Star Wars like you guys are. And I know that you're not talking any sense. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I have to ask then. Last year in the drunken hazes and stupors, it was so, I remember it being so focused on Vader because it was right during the time when uh, the first trailer dropped for Rise of Skywalker. So everyone's talking about who is the Skywalker, you know, how does Palpatine play into this? But what do you guys think is going, Or and I know we, we kind of tossed some ideas around earlier, but really and truly, if you had to pick like, three hot topics that we're going to be talking about after celebration this year what do you think it's going to be oh wow three hot topics like you mean like stuff we're going to learn like at celebration yeah yeah like what are they going to hunt you know there's no movie i know that Uh i mean mandalorian season two has to be there that has Uh to be the big one but is that enough to like hold it over they're gonna need all new stuff there's going to be a big Ahsoka tease. I mean, with the rumors flying around, with how everything's kind of been leading with her, I feel like some way, shape, or form, we will be talking about Ahsoka even more than we are right now. So that would be, if I only had to pick one, I think Ahsoka is definitely going to be that that big character that they seem to be all points are converging on her. Clone Wars is wrapping up, and it's really focusing on her story. Um how Dave Filoni's been releasing some concept art, how there's the rumor about Mandalorian Season 2 with her. I feel like a lot of points are converging on something animated or live action with Ahsoka. I don't know. So what worries me, the more that I think about it, is I don't know how they're going to bring Ahsoka into Mandalorian and it not take away from the show. You know, it's such a unifying show because it's for everyone. If you throw Ahsoka in, it's not for everyone anymore. It's for the fans like us who know all the backstory and where we want her to go and all of these other characters she interacted with. And then even how do you have Ahsoka after the Mortis arc and it not suddenly be a show about the Force how do you still have a show about the bounty hunters when you have post-mortis Ahsoka? Contained. I think that's exactly what it is. If she shows up, it's not like you as a fan need to know her life story to know her arc in this show. Depending on the writing, I, I think we as fans will know the journey that she goes through in this show. And by that point, we'll be like, oh my god. How is she here? Because we're fans and we know everything about it. But a, a side fan is going to be like, who's this really cool, like kind of Jedi, but like not Jedi person. And I think it's one of those things where in the context of the show, she will stand out for everyone, much like a Marvel movie. If you don't really watch the Thor movies, but like you've seen the Avengers and Loki's in the Avengers, you don't need to know all of Loki's story to understand he's the villain or he's this kind of character in the Avengers. So I, I think it's one of those things where um, hopefully Star Wars and Lucasfilm 
start rewarding the fans for us getting to kind of get these vibes on all these bigger things that we know about, but kind of still break it down to the average fan to where they don't really need to know exactly everything about Ahsoka. I, I just think it's all about context and how she's written in the story. Yeah, we, we talk about we talk about Mandalorian and really it's it should be the show that is about anything else other than the Mandalorian. I mean you kinda had the whole your baby Yoda, the child thing being so much of a, of an arc, you know, that we followed so much, even like Cara Dune's character was so big for so many people. And she was in what, two episodes, I think two or three episodes. But I mean, <laughs> why, why can't we just get rebel season five? Like, why can't we get <laughs> rebel season five to, to bridge the gap, put that out. And then that's how you explain it. And, you know, like Zach's saying, we, we don't necessarily have to break everything down granularly to explain every single point, but you do kind of have to sometimes have certain points that, that connect each other. So I'm just saying, give me Rebel Season 5, and I'll be, I'll be pretty happy with that. And I think that that's your bridge. Uh, David, yes, agree with Rebel Season 5. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I, the, I, I was thinking, so Lindsay's question, you know, was like, what will, will we be talking about? If they were to tease something like Ahsoka in season two, then you got to imagine they would maybe say like in the spring of, you know, 2021 or something or coming, you know, maybe there's no date on it, but maybe they do kind of release some trailer for, you know, like a Rebels season five or something. Where is Ezra, guys? Where's he at, man? (laughs) And and that's the thing, though. So you have Ahsoka pop up, say she just pops up in The Mandalorian and then becomes the Ahsoka show because we all we all know that's going to happen. But anyway... So then you start saying, well, how about that guy, Ezra? Whatever happened to him? Why can't we finish that arc? So, yeah. I mean, Filoni's the master of of leaving a breadcrumb trail. He always has something to arc back to. And, I mean, that goes for not just Ahsoka. That's for Ezra. That's for Thrawn. That's for even at the end of the Clone Wars. He always just kind of, like, throws something out there that he's going to come back to. So I guess just to try and quickly wrap up so I don't um, speak too long on it, um, whether or not she has a limited appearance or something larger than that, Dave is always tossing out stuff that he's going to come back to. And you said, you know, is this a bounty hunter show or a show about the force? And it is kind of both because Yoda, the baby Yoda character, the child is the second biggest character in the whole show. And that's really been discovering about, who are these force sensitive people in a galaxy where the Jedi aren't existing anymore? But Lindsay, you were saying, no, that's, that's a really good point. You know, I guess when you have the child, it seems like, yeah, where he's going in season two is going to be more about finding out where the child really belongs. And he's going to have to face the force at that point. So maybe Ahsoka is a good fit, for Mandalorian season two. Um, but I was going to say, as I don't remember, was I saying this to you last week? I, I was saying it at some point to someone. I'm pretty sure one of you guys. Um, but my big hope is if they have a live action Ahsoka in Mandalorian season two, and if they brought back Clone Wars and a hot take here, we can certainly debate this later. Um, in my opinion, a subpar final season of the Clone Wars so far. Um, I hope that they are bringing in all of this hype to get more people 
up to speed on who Ahsoka is and why she's important and more people interested in her. Because I would love to see a spinoff, not even so much of just her, but an actual mall spinoff. I would love a live action mall to see where he went from Siege Mandalore to where we see him in Solo. So I think that bringing Ahsoka in right now is the perfect way to build up that hype and for people to go back and say, oh, I want to learn about Ahsoka. And then, of course, they get caught up on where Maul is and why he's back and why he has robotic legs. Yeah, I think I did. I think you did mention that to me last week or something. And and uh, I like that. I like the idea that you would. There's been rumor that that may be sort of a spinoff and we may get more of Maul and Ahsoka. And uh, it would be important, I guess, if in if if, you know, Mandalorian season two is like the big I mean, Man, the, the Mandalorian has been huge, right, for Disney Plus. So if they're trying to and as Sam said, if, if Dave Filoni is leaving these breadcrumbs and trying to lead us a certain way or what have you, then then I can totally see them doing something like that. So maybe it's not Rebels, you know, season five. Uh, and it is sort of a spinoff or something because we'll have the conclusion of, you know, the Clone Wars and we'll, you know, get some big reveal or something like that at, at, at Celebration, which would be great. I just want to point out, too. That it's at this point that I would have my arm around Lindsay with a beer, uh, running to, to make sure this conversation with the next level. So I, I'm disappointed that I'm not doing that right now because I, I, I just got the vibe. I thought, okay, you know, we're getting deep and sweaty here. Uh, uh, you know, it's time for the liquor to yeah. So I just want everyone to know that's what would happen and will happen at celebration. So, but no, it's, I think it's great. I think it's that's the direction we go. Yeah. So. Let me put it this way. I'm flying my if if I actually go, I'm flying my ass out there just for this hangout. I mean, there's a lot of big <laughs> things that I want to get to, but if I actually fly out here, it better be a replication of what happened. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that so I think you bring up a lot of great points. I love the Darth Maul live action idea, Lindsay. That would be amazing. And I know if Dave was here, he'd be like, Yes, right on, love Darth Maul. <laughs> Dark side on more of a like he's all about Darth Maul. The biggest thing is Ahsoka and what and and if you guys have seen the post or anything, my biggest challenge with Ahsoka is I think every she's a fan favorite. Everybody loves her. Dave Filoni loves her. My biggest issue with Ahsoka is I don't know if she can make that jump. I don't know if she can make that jump to animate it to live action and hold the context of who she is and the character she is and make it in the Mandalorian as you guys are talking. And I, and I get what Zach's saying about, yeah, you would have to contain her and what she is. And that would be the way to be able to make it happen or bring her into the Mandalorian. But in my opinion, if you make that jump, it's going to be one very, very difficult and very, very hard. And two, I think instantaneously, once you put her in the Mandalorian, you're going to lose. I think you would lose some fan base of people who love the Mandalorian possibly but I think you would also then it would become the Ahsoka show and you would lose like that appeal of the Mandalorian bounty hunter, which is what a lot of people love about the show. And something else that Dave has also brought up is if you were going to bring Ahsoka in as live action, the Mandalorian, you should have done what you did with the child or baby Yoda, not told a single soul about it, not let it leak or anything else. Because if we would have seen that in the season, we would have been like, holy crap. We would have been unprepared for it. It would have been a huge surprise. And our take on it would have been completely different and we may have reacted differently to it. Well, I mean, personally, I think um, we will be invested and it will be called when the Ahsoka show when she shows up. But I, I just, 
you know, it's important, at least for me, it's a talk all the time. We talk about like stepping outside of the Star Wars bubble and getting into the average fan. And, and to her, she's just going to be a really cool arc, you know, like the Deathstroke arc of Arrow on the CW. Like, that's a really cool character. But if you read the Deathstroke comics, you know everything about him and his complex history. But if you just watch the show, you know about this one villain in this one show. And I think to a lot of casual fan base, it's, it's going to be like that. And as far as her moving from animation to live action, it's no secret that Ashley Eckstein has not done or has done an, a, an amazing job as Ahsoka. But and for us, it might be a hurdle for a minute, um, or it might completely fail to us. But to an average fan, this is their first viewing of Ahsoka, and they're not going to miss an eye. And I mean, they definitely got the caliber. So I just think it's it's one of those things where it's going to be really weird for us. And then the internet's going to be like, dude, this Ahsoka character is really cool. I wonder where she's been the whole time. And we're just like, what? Where have you been? Yeah, I mean, that was that was a big thing about Mandalorian, too. It brought in so many casual fans that just wanted to see a space western. So it wasn't, it wasn't solely focused upon appealing only to the hardcore Star Wars fan base. I mean, after after the season ended, how many how many people on Twitter did you see saying, "Up, oh, canceling Disney Plus, Mandalorian's over," you know that kind of deal? Obviously, I haven't. I bought it for a year or whatever. But it, it, I, I again, like, kind of go back in there. Like, do, do you guys think that? Okay, so if we bring Ahsoka in, do you think it'll be like you know an episode, kind of like a Cara Dune, or does she really take it over though? I think my expectation would be. <sighs> If you're going to go to the trouble of trying to bring Ahsoka onto the the, the next stage, essentially, um, I don't think you would want to overuse her. I think, again, this is, you know, the Mandalorian has become this extreme phenomenon. I honestly believe it's going to be on the expectations of Disney. Truly believe that. I don't think they believed it was going to explode the way it did. So what you have is global attention on something that hasn't been divisive. Like the movies... We, 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 that's a whole different conversation, but you can't deny that it's been polarizing. So for once, they have a, a storyline that has everyone captivated. What a way to try and not only bring in an audience to a larger part of Star Wars, but also help get them more interested in other things that they have on their streaming services and other characters and other stories. You know, Disney wants to interweave. It's what they do. Um, and the massive success of Marvel proves that that formula has worked for them. So if she is brought into this series, I think, yeah, she will be a smaller character like a Cara Dune because just like you said, they don't want this to become the Ahsoka show because I think that will cheapen it for people who are there for the, the bounty hunter, the bounty hunter, bounty hunter, gunslinging show. They don't want that show, but it may pique the interest of a lot of people who are transitioning from casual Stoa's fan to the extremist like that we are. So I think for them, they want to try and bring in more of what's been out there because that's kind of half of what Star Wars is, is bringing in that bigger universe. So yeah, a little bit, but they want to get people to dive into it deeper because that means more comics, more books, more movies, getting more money. So why not? Yeah, can, can I ask a question real quick? So, go for it. Just to the group here, what is so again at the end of season one, we have Baby Yoda. We've got to do something with Baby Yoda, you know. So, like, where do we? I mean, is Baby Yoda going to be around for season three and four, or is it just this season two situation where we've got to return um, this force sensitive child to? Is it 
Like, is it, you know, I mean, do we find Yoda's homeworld? Is it more just, you know, returning this individual to force sensitives? That does seem like where we're, where, where we're headed. And uh, so I'm just curious, as you, get, what, you know, what do you guys think? I think that's sort of why I think we believe maybe Ahsoka might show up. I actually kind of thought maybe it'd be like the very last episode and literally she doesn't say a word and they just hand baby Yoda to, to Ahsoka and see ya. <laughs> you know, no, like, you know what I, I think? Fa- we're, we're really not focusing on and I think I think this isn't just us. I think this is the entire Star Wars and Mandalorian fandom either because people like us who are those fanatics, we were so focused on these other things and these other elements of the Mandalorian. Whereas newer, I don't want to say casual fans, but the newer fans to this expanded universe, really, they just didn't know to be excited about it. But it's the Darksaber. So where I would see this all tying in together and bringing Ahsoka in is now we have the Mandalorian and quite possibly at this point the Armorer saying, okay, we need to get this back from this guy. Who do we recruit? What allies could the Mandalorian still have out there? And as we're going to see in the next four weeks now during the Siege of Mandalore, Ahsoka is one of those allies. She could be one of the very few people or beings still willing to support the Mandalorians. So maybe he goes to her in order to help get the Darksaber back, and that's when she sees Baby Yoda and is able to kind of put him back on track in getting Baby Yoda more acquainted with the Force or back to his home world and his home species. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even convinced. One of my biggest things is, like, aside from this Darksaber, I've, I've always thought that if Ahsoka's coming into this series, it would naturally gravitate towards the child and what that child brings. Uh, Ezra, I, I completely agree that I think at the end of the day, I think this is either going to lead with his, at least his initial lead is trying to find his home world or finding a good home for him. I think at the end of the day, he's realistically not going to let that child go because of the bond they have by season one. And I'm sure that bond will grow by season two. But something I talked to Sam about a long time ago, I'm not even concerned that, um, or I'm not even convinced that these Mandalorian clans are um, the same clans are as the clan that we see on uh, Mandalore themselves. I mean, I think these, I have just, I, I don't think in the new canon, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anything like aside from like all the rules they've had in his clan, they don't, they don't scream new canon of what we know based on Clone Wars and Rebels. I'd, I'd, I've never really heard of Mandalorians not taking their helmet off or um, foundlings or stuff like this. So this just, to me, this even seems like a kind of a side clan or not a big clan as the clan we see in Mandalorian or in uh, the Clone Wars. I I thought I was led to believe that this clan is the remnants of what was once death watch am i not wrong i i that's what i mean that's what i mean it's not the same as um as what bo katan ends up being right and so i just i i I think there's more to learn not only on the child and baby yoda and the planet trying to find the planet of his origin which is like even if that is the only arc in that story that's still a massive arc is like finding where yoda came from it's the biggest secret in star wars virtually um 
But at the same time, you know, you got to think this guy has an identity in the entire season one. I don't take my mask off. I'd rather die than take my helmet off. And all he's known is this way of Mandalorian life. And so I think a part of season two is going to be learning there are other Mandalorian cultures out there that believe differently and that kind of could mend to his newfound alliance or um, moral code. Um, who knows? I mean, I just think there's endless things in the show that he's going to discover about himself, the Mandalorians, and this whole Baby Yoda creature. I have a question for everyone on this is that Beyond the the Mandalorians and the child, I still think the one thing I was kind of not disappointed that we really didn't get to because we kind of touched on it is where I I thought I remember hearing early on that this show was also supposed to help explain the transition from what we know as the remnants of the Empire to the birth of the First Order. And I guess for everyone, I'd like to know when do we think that we're actually going to start seeing those um, that groundwork being laid? Are we going to finally start seeing some some more first order organization or structure change. So I, I am curious what everyone thinks on that. Did did, uh, did any any of you guys read the Force Collector? Yeah, I didn't finish it. Okay, so I I, so I won't like go deep deep in there, and but on the surface level, you kind of had this kid's story, right? But within the kid's story, you also had one of the characters whose father was um, was in the First Order, and the way they talked about it was kind of like a, uh, it's a job. You know, they work for the First Order. It's it's what Dad does, and it and it seemed more like a uh, like a <laughs> just a casual organization in that book. So, I, I guess as far as like jumping in here, do you think maybe maybe sort of their their imprint on the galaxy early would start kind of slow sort of like uh oh like uh well like an like order bringing some sort of order but in a very very small way because again if you read that book it was almost like eh, it's just going out for just going to his job it's fine you know we can take his ship we can do whatever you know they're cool guys yeah i real quick so i like that um Dave, you know, that what I'm wondering, too, is if there aren't maybe like agents or something who would be showing up. We do have the Imperial Remnant. It's like, do you have a First Order agent who shows up and and they're trying to, you know, communicate with the Remnant or or acquire, uh, you know, whether it's some tor- some sort of like, you know, genetic coding from Baby Yoda? I mean, the whole thing, too, is that you have a client who is after um, the child and what was their intent with that child? Is it just to have a, a, a strong you know, uh, force sensitive individual or they're, are they doing some genetic altering and trying to chain, you know, get something from, um, that, that, that child. So that's a whole, you know, another thing as well. And that was, um, correct me if I'm wrong, that's, that's like the Imperial remnant who like that are trying to get that. Are they trying to get it for the first order? Or do they have their own plan? I mean, that's still all stuff we, I think are thinking about, right? What if we're looking about it all wrong? Because... I mean, the the question that kept running through my head the past few minutes is, well, what about Moff Gideon? You know, we have Giancarlo Esposito's character. We don't really know that much about him. We know the obvious ones. Of course, he is a staunch Imperial supporter. He is trying to bring that order back, quote unquote. And yeah, he's after Baby Yoda. But what if... You know, the scientist and the client who wanted Baby Yoda 
aren't actually part of the empire. And we didn't know this at the time. There was no real way to know this back in November 2019. But now, having seen Rise of Skywalker and knowing where the story ends, we can't discount, or I don't think we should discount, the Sith cultists. You know, we have this entire group of people who, even though they're not Force-sensitive, they still so closely follow the dark side of the Force, they're trying to bring Palpatine back. We now know that part of the problem with bringing him back was he didn't have that connection to the Force. If they can find a Baby Yoda-type creature who inherently has that strong force connection and take him, that could be how they bring Palpatine back. You know, if you guys, I don't know if you've gotten through the novel for uh, Rise of Skywalker yet, but they make mention of they tried to bring him back so many times over the past few decades. When Kylo Ren meets him, that's not the first iteration of clone Palpatine that they tried to do. He really needed that force connection. He didn't have a granddaughter yet at this point. As far as we know, he didn't even really have a son. We don't know that much about his family line. So it's possible that the client and the scientist aren't actually related to the to the Empire leading to the First Order. It's totally possible that they're connected to the Sith cult, and that's what leads to the the first order. So do you, do you think the Mandalorian's not going to have a happy ending? For uh, depend depends for who, you know, and I think it really depends on how attached we get to certain people. Um <laughs> and and what would the happy ending be? You know, I don't think it's going to be the traditional they lived happily ever after Daddy Mando and Baby Yoda go on and he takes Baby Yoda to preschool and watches him grow up. I think the happy he ending. Get his own little helmet? <laughs> oh my God, I hope he does. <laughs> his own little armor that he can, you know, just wear around would be great. Oh, we can wish. Now I'm going to be so disappointed if it doesn't. I think eventually the show is called The Mandalorian and right now we are heavily distracted with the baby Yoda arc. And I think that's kind of like, that's one of the biggest things that the show has to offer this big kind of secret. Um, but at the same time, we don't know an excessive amount of the Mandalorian people post return of the Jedi. So I think if there's a happy ending, it'll be for the Mandalorian and his crew that he ends up with or him or a personal realization. A lot of Westerns, which let's face it, that's what this show is. It starts with the, or it ends with the character, the cowboy learning his lesson for the role of the film or the show. And I think if it has a happy ending, it will be our Mandalorian learning his lesson, his philosophy in life, coming full circle for the hero's journey, whether it be for the Mandalorian people, for the galaxy, or just Baby Yoda and his crew. I think that's going to be the happy ending because there's no way to write around the galaxy. I don't think the show's going to touch politics in Star Wars um, by any way, shape, or means. I think we hear about the First Order. It's going to be like whether or not he takes a job from someone or does something for someone or a back shot. I don't think this is touching any legacy stuff uh, outside of maybe Ahsoka and trying to learn about the Jedi. But by by no means, I don't think it's... I think it's going to be a contained story, but a big story at the same time. 
Uh, yeah, l- l- let me jump in real quick. Zach, I, l- I like what you're saying uh, a-, a lot there. It's probably, you know, it's supposed to introduce us to the underworld and we're going to maybe see him. Maybe he does bump into, a, you know, an agent or something and uh, first, first Order or Imperial Remnant, who knows, or, or New Republic. I mean, it's cool to see those things sort of woven in there. This is a question for, you know, whoever. I I don't know a whole lot about the Mandalorians and I was never a huge fan of them until this show. And so then I've been going back and trying to learn more. Like when we found out that Din Djarin was not, I mean, like it's, it's, it's a creed, right? It's not necessarily that they, that they're born on Mandalore or that they were raised there. Lindsay, is that, I mean, like what's, yeah, that's and I'm going the, somewhere with that's this. That's the but, whole premise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Of this tribe. Of this tribe, okay, but like before, when you look at Clone Wars and everything, that was the deal, right? You they they weren't doing this whole foundling thing, or were they? Was Death Watch doing stuff like that? Not or? that we not know to of. My knowledge. And no. yeah. Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, but not really in Legends either. No, in Legends, Mandalorian were basically essentially the Vikings, and their their like country was Mandalore. And they, you know, yeah. and not only just Mandalore, uh, Mandalore, but Duxin. So they had taken over planets um, in the old canon, and they were a people, a almost like they're not a race, but they were a people, a tight knit people. Foundlings is something that really was added on in the Mandalorian, which is why I just naturally gravitate towards this is a off clan, that's not the clan from Mandalore. It's a clan that decided to uh, separate itself from the original Mandalorians or we're reverting back to the original Mandalorian culture as we know it. Because in the new canon, we know Clone Wars and we know Rebels and we know the Mandalorian, but there's so much air in between all of this stuff that with the show, we don't really know who's what, when, where. And I try to generally gravitate with the Mandalorian that these, his clan is the hardcore of the bunch, as opposed to Mandalore in Clone Wars and Rebels trying to course correct their people to be less violent because essentially Mandalorians are Vikings throughout the entire history. And a lot of times old canon, new canon, they get themselves in a lot of trouble for just being ignorant and bold and guns ablazing. I mean, that makes a lot of sense when you think about how, you know, especially in Clone Wars, how the, the, the political atmosphere was really changing and they were trying to be more of a, a peaceful people and be different and how that went against a lot of the old Mandalorian ways and you had this huge divide. I mean, you think of the difference of how, um, you know, a Satine wanted things to go versus Death Watch, very extreme opposites. And, um, since we know that Death Watch eventually got the boot, um, how do you rebuild? Well, the standard Star Wars way, you get some orphans. Um, so it, it feels like this very cultist, extremist, we need to rebuild our numbers, we need to rebuild our way, and how do you do that? Well, you get kids young and you get them instituted in your way of thinking, identical to what the you know the First Order did. So um, I think it makes perfect sense that this is an offshoot or a, a, a different sect because... This is a, a a Mandalorian group trying to essentially be reborn and revitalized in a different Mandalore. Because um, from from what we understand and how they're they're describing it and the the Great Purge, I think I'm saying that wrong, or um, the Empire just basically tries to flatten Mandalore and take everything um, that would have a very you know um, 
counterculture reaction. If if you were thought, oh, we were trying to be peaceful, we were trying to be pacifist, and look what happened to us. We need to be extremists in this sense. So that makes sense that if these people are essentially, you know, um, exiled from Mandalore, that they would go to this very extremist way where they're trying to rebuild their population and sort of maybe loosen the idea that it's not a um, a race but a mindset. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. That's that's great. Now I have one more question too. So. In in like rebels, right? When we see dark the the dark saber, so Lindsay's been talking about that. That comes up. What does that represent, though? I mean, to the Mandalorian people, like dark saber is it, it's it's a pretty. I mean, it's it's like leadership. I mean, remember they're giving it back to um, you know like like uh, Sabine is is training with it and stuff. And I, I guess what I'm getting to is would this ver- this Mandalorian clan be very much interested in in acquiring and getting that and saying that then validates us and makes us sort of like. You know, look to us because we have this ancient true sword clan. that, yeah, or something. That it, sword is Excalibur for the Mandalorian people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was so I was thinking about that, and then I was I was also thinking like if they've expanded this more to a, you know, more of a creed, and it's it's you've got foundlings who you're bringing in, it, they might be taking us down this path of we're not going to take Yoda back to people who are like him or his homeworld, but and and the throw off there is is people who are force sensitive people who adopt the Jedi way or something. And so you get into those conversations of what makes a family and, and your identity and, and where do you belong, uh, which is all of what, you know, the, the, the sequels were about belonging and Ray taking the name Skywalker and, and things like that. So I, I still think all of these things, whether it's, whether it's the dark saber or um, if it's just looking at like baby Yoda's arc and, and bringing in uh, Ahsoka, that's really still all up in the air, right? That's what we're talking about. And I, I kind of think, you would want to acquire that dark saber and you would want to, you know, I, I think we're going to be thinking we're going to Yoda's homeworld and maybe that's not where we're going. You know, I don't know that, that uh, that's a big secret. And I think, um, I would love to, don't get me wrong. I mean, I freaking hope they, we, we show up there and, you know, there's, uh, uh all those people and it's some secret homeworld, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, to reiterate, the dark saber was made by Tar Vizla and that was, you know, more in the old Republic days and again, that was one of the very few Mandalorian slash Jedi's that there ever were. And so House Vizsla is what became, to an extent, Death Watch. So they would very much want this because this is a symbol of power of the ruler of Mandalore as being just a, a symbol for House Vizsla and for Death Watch. So yes, yes, they would very much like to have it. The Mandalorians not only struggle from being screwed over by the galaxy but they're like the sith they get they struggle from being screwed over with infighting so that's another thing that these clans are always trying to proclaim that they are the dominant clan and if you have the dark saber you are pretty much saying like like you're not Mm -hmm. going to you're not going to yeah and i was wondering like is it something that could unite them or like it it elevates them and then they can unite or is there gonna be like a a resurgence you know we kind of Maybe get behind him or something. And that might not be season two. That may be if they're thinking way ahead, three and four or something like that. But uh, I think Lindsay's right to, to say that the the saber is something that I often overlook and I, I forget to think about, and I forget to think about its significance to this story. It's a, that's a very important you know artifact in the Mandalorian culture, their history, and then it does have, uh, as Sam is saying, ties back to you know, a force, a force sensitive individual, you know? And it's like, wow. (laughs) So I don't know. All the more reason to need Ahsoka, I guess. 
I, of course, now, this is something that you've talked about more than once, Lindsay, and you just mentioned Ahsoka, but who is with Ahsoka at this point is Sabine. Yeah. What like what's our (laughs) likelihood of getting Sabine Wren also live action, and what's her importance in this story if it happens this way? I I honestly think that could be the real reason to bring Ahsoka in. You know, and it's so easy to not be distracted by the Ahsoka news, but to be more aware. You know, Rosario Dawson has been so vocal up until this point about wanting to be brought in to play Ahsoka uh, Ahsoka Tano. So when the rumors get out that, yeah, she's cast in The Mandalorian, of course everyone can make that assumption. How easy would it be, though, to say, yeah, you know, even if it's not Tia Sakaar, it's still someone else being brought in to play Sabine Wren, but we just wouldn't know that. You know, of course they're bringing in extra actors. Of course there's going to be a woman around that age who could take that role, and no one just thinks to connect those dots. So I think it's, yeah, it's totally reasonable and realistic to assume that at this point they are together. She would be in the show. And she would, maybe that's kind of how the the paths diverge. Maybe they can realize that in their quest to find Ezra, they're not that far off from finding Baby Yoda a proper home or pro- proper training. Maybe Ahsoka realizes she can take Baby Yoda and train him herself. Or Meanwhile, maybe Sabine teaches him what they could be. What the Mandalorian culture? Well, could that's be. that's just it. And then Sabine goes off with the Mando and actually goes through and and teaches him more about, we'll say, mainstream Mando culture and what that would mean. Were you saying it's a bait and switch? It could be, and that wouldn't be that wouldn't be the that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, if you ask me. It wouldn't be either. So you're saying that we actually, it's its being saying that it's a Ahsoka live action, but in reality, we could be getting Sabine live action and it's just a bait and switch. Ah, it, I could get on board with sense. that. Yeah. I could get on board with that. And I, and I know I, I sound like I'm calling like backing up now, but I'd be okay with a Sabine transitioning from animated to live action. I just think because of the hype with Ahsoka and everything that character is and the fan base she's built as an animated character, it'd be much more difficult. I think Sabine could make that jump and be okay with it. But on top of that, John, you know, I think, and I I want your opinion wholeheartedly. um, I think us as Star Wars fans have to accept that we have to let Disney make um, triumphs and failures if we're going to continue forward having Star Wars podcasts and being passionate about this franchise. I mean, like, you know, everybody in the Star Wars world right now is like, I don't know about Ahsoka going live action. Um, but it's one of those things where we're also, at least, you know, from my front, is I'm saying, give me something new, give me something fresh, give me something I've never seen before. But then when they are coming out with this stuff, the whole community is like, I don't know about this. Um, and it's like, you know, it's one of those have your cake and eat it too. So where are you with the entire Ahsoka thing? You still mix bag? Are you like, where are you with it? So I agree with you. I think that we as Star Wars fans, there's a lot of things that, so for instance, I'll go to the movies real quick. 
I love The Force Awakens. I liked Rise of Skywalker. I was, eh, I'm still eh about The Last Jedi. Dave has kind of been like, I've Last Jedi's grown on me. I'm still not an Ahsoka fan. I love Rebels. That's why I was like, season five of Rebels, hardcore. Clone Wars took me a while to get into. But I agree with you. I think that I'm okay with saying, hey, I'm okay talking about and saying, hey, I don't like Ahsoka live action, but I'm okay with Sabine. I'm okay if they make bad decisions. I'm okay if they try something and we don't like it. I never thought that I would be okay seeing Baby Yoda in The Mandalorian. Or all it did for me was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> and why is it here? First of all, what story are you going to tell me? Where is this going to end up? How long is he going to be here? That just caused more action to come out of it. Um, I know, And I'm sure everybody does it on their podcast. Dave and I get on soapboxes about so many things. Um, Ahsoka is one thing that he, we both get on our soapbox about. We get on the on it about the movies, but I think it's what makes us it's what makes us stand. It makes us have our opinion, but we accept it. And I know I'm going to hurt your feelings here, Zach. But the Obi Wan Kenobi series, I don't think we need it. Shots. So let me oh, let me personally hand John a beer. Somebody hand John a beer. Throw some shade like this. So what I'm going to do is so we don't derail the entire conversation. All I'll say is I'll Ooh. see you next week on Sith Talk, and we'll yes, have this debate. Takes a giant sip from a red solo cup. Yeah, yeah. You just hold his beer right now, my friend. Ooh. Hey, uh, you know. Here we go. I mean. <laughs> no, I'm not going to derail this, but I'll just tell you, I think there's so much to offer with Obi-Wan. Clearly, I'm an Obi-Wan Qui-Gon head till the day I die. It's Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon till the end, just much, just as much as it is Plagueis and Revan and the Old Republic for me. Um, but, I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. But, like, honestly, what are you doing next week? I'll fucking tell your ass why no, no, you're going to no. need an you, Obi-Wan story. You need to defend it a little you can't just have John throw out that hook. Come and on, Zach. Fish out the Lord of All right, all right fine. Now. Here's tell the us, reason why we need an Obi Wan, and why it's the only that. it's the only reason we need Obi Wan. This is the only character I feel like right now in Star Wars that we need something else on. Everyone else, I'm saying new. Give me something new. Give me something fresh. Obi Wan is. There's so much storytelling there because literally not only the tragedy of him, if you look through Clone Wars, if you look through Phantom Menace, if you look through uh, Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan is the epitome of what it takes to be a hero and facing adversity. He has watched everyone he loves, he has ever loved die in front of him, and he still fights on. He knows that he's going down, and he still fights. He has always been underestimated by everyone, and he still wins. He beat the Chosen One. So now, after living an adventurous life of being a Jedi his entire life, now he's stuck on this rock protecting this child. And now not only does he have to deal with... Uh, the quiet of Tatooine, the scorch of the sun, the boredom of watching over a child and, you know, possibly feeling a little bit like this is beneath him after all the dust settles. But the tragedy of knowing that he failed, that he failed his apprentice and that apprentice is dead now. And then also the realization that his apprentice is alive. And how does he deal with that? And knowing that not only does Luke uh, have a destiny to become a Jedi, but his father's still out there and what that could entail. 
There's also, you know, the, you know, I thought as once, or I thought as you did once, you know, essentially him trying to go back after Anakin one more time and see if he could turn the tide again. Uh, the prophecy of Qui-Gon coming back and teaching him how to be a Force ghost. There's so much there, but essentially when I look at Obi-Wan, you can take all those elements and that's great. You know, it, it'll fill my nerdy ass up a little bit. But if you look at Logan, the movie Logan, it's all about a man being the last of his kind and trying to change the world and affect a human being or a mutant while still being the last of his kind in hiding and the sacrifices and adversity he will go to press on the message of the mutant kind. And I look at that with Obi-Wan. He's the last of the Jedi, aside from Yoda. He is it. That is the only one left. And where does this tra tragedy, the mistakes he's made, the lessons he's learned, the people that have died around him, where, where does he sit with all that? And where does he go? Does he stay on that rock or does he move on? So I, I get what you're saying, and I and I think it's a great point, and I and I get you. So the one arc that I cannot, and Dave sends it to me all the time, and he gives me crap about it, when Bo-Katan was killed by Darth Maul in front of Obi-Wan, like, uh, not Bo-Katan, sorry, uh, Duchess Satine, Satine, killed me, killed me. That was horrible. Where he ends Maul's life uh, in Rebels, like, great, great episode. I get everything you're saying. It, it, it makes sense. And what you're saying is true. He's literally seen everybody die around him. He's also seen his apprentice, like he's, he's torn down and he's stuck on this rock and having to do anything. I just, for me, and I get what you're saying. I'm just like, are we just going to watch him walk around and kick sand? Like, that's <laughs> what I feel. But I also go back to the – and so that's – and so David gave me the same argument, and, and, he, and we talk about you on the podcast every time we bring up Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Because he's like, Zach is going to kill you, John, because he's like the all champion. about I'm – also, I'm also the one who didn't think we needed Rogue One because I'm like, I know how it ends. And Dave's like, you don't – you didn't know how it was going to end. They could have gotten off the planet. They could have – something else could have happened. And maybe it's just me being negative, but I also didn't think we needed Rogue One. I was like, we know what happens. They get the plan. I don't need to know what happens in between there. There are people who tell us that that is their favorite movie. So I get it. Nothing against you. Still love it. But I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm interested to see. But, John, here's my question then. If that was your thought before Rogue One... After seeing it, after seeing the new characters they have, the way they develop the story, was there ever a point where you were like, okay, maybe I was wrong. This either was a story that we needed or, yeah, I'm I'm happy that we sacrificed other stories to be able to tell this one. So, no. And Dave's asked me that same question. <laughs> I don't. Because he loves Cassian Andor. He loves Diego Luna. Like, he cannot wait for the Cassian Andor series. I think he just has a man crush on Diego Luna. <laughs> Uh, mainly because of Narcos Mexico, but also um, the fact that he talks about Yaba. And uh, so <laughs> for me, I still just don't think it's the characters that we got. Yeah, it was great. I just don't know if it's a story that we need it. And even after seeing it, and I watched it in theaters, I think four times, and I watch it occasionally at home. I, I still just don't think it's like, yeah, they got the plans. That's how they got them. And they ended up with Princess Leia. I don't think it's a story we needed just out of it. And when I saw the trailer 
or I, what was it? The, just the silhouette of the Death Star at Celebration. Uh, I was like, oh my God, what is this? And I was intrigued. But as I learned more about it, I was still like, no, it's, it's not the movie or the story that I think we needed. Just so I'm not ball, just so I'm not ball hogging. All I can say is, if you are nervous about it and you have the free time, I would suggest listening or reading the audiobook or mm. reading the book Star Wars Kenobi by John Jackson Miller because Sick Sam guy. got me onto that. Although I still was championing Obi Wan regardless, and this book is aside from like some bigger picture stuff, it really shows the adjustment of what Obi Wan's going through. So I would say if you got the time check it out because it really does open your mind of what this could be um as far as the series super good book david i haven't heard from you in a while i want to know some of your thoughts on what sam on what? <laughs> everything tell me i want to hear more from high you. republic go <laughs> oh okay high republic oh, high take republic, it great Ooh, yeah we haven't even touched on that yeah uh oh man high, high republic i'm i've always been big in the books originally when i when I started the podcast with my brother, it was um, it was kind of our reconnect moment, but also to dive back into old canon stuff. So we originally started this whole convoluted reread of the New Jedi Order, and uh, and that that slowly kind of went away. And we still kind of we joke about it. It's like ah, we'll, we'll eventually get back into it. We'll we'll, we'll get back into it. Uh, you don't realize that years later, some of those books are not the greatest books in the world. Some of them are great. You just got to pick them out. <laughs> Uh, so project luminous we i know me Lindsay, as we're at the the publishing panel at celebration and you know there are always these constant little hints of of oh, project luminous it was hilarious seeing like some of those folks that were a part of it and then a few other folks that weren't and, and they're just like yeah we're here too guys project luminous sounds great but we're not on it and then, you know, it was like, what, you know, a full year after they first started teasing that, that they finally, finally dropped all, oh, yeah, Zach's, Zach's got New Jedi Order right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but when that finally dropped, I don't know about you guys, but the first thing is like, can we, uh, can we get a live stream on that? Could we just get a live stream or something? Like I'm, I'm sitting there on Twitter, like scrolling, refresh, refresh. Does anybody have an update? It was like 40 minutes late. But uh, High Republic. So from the from the artwork, um, I'm I'm kind of I'm cautiously optimistic, but I will say I will say this. Whoever did the artwork, and you guys can disagree, but whoever did the artwork, a lot of that stuff looks so generic to me that I just wish I just wish it were different like from a look standpoint for me when I read books man I um I have my own picture of of characters and I don't know if I'm going to picture these characters the same way but I want more stories and there are there there's such a good writing cast for this and we kind of got that little um little snippet of them all at uh at um Lucasfilm remember Skywalker yeah. Ranch Skywalker Ranch, you know, doing these brainstorming sessions. So I'm, I'm not, I haven't really thought too much. I I tend to like to be surprised. So I haven't really thought too terribly much about what exactly it's going to be. But I, I guess for me, I was just a little disappointed in the artwork. So I kind of hope the story's better than the artwork. 
It's actually an interesting take. I hadn't heard that before because I feel like everyone was so caught up in, you know, the setting and the antagonists and the thought of, you know, this is what a Jedi should be, that to get into those grittier details this early on, yeah, I think as as the release dates come closer, that's going to be something that we're all really looking at, if only because a lot of these stories are going to be in the comic book form. So we, can, we can't just dismiss the artwork and say, oh, this is concept art, this is just cover art, this isn't that important. Yeah, no, the the artwork, it is going to be a little bit more long-lasting in a way that we haven't seen, with the exception of, really, Dr. Afra. Yeah, just real quick, I wanted to say that the the, uh, the the artwork, I liked at least the idea that they were doing, if they're going to work on this project together, like authors, multiple authors at least, could look and sort of think about, that's the character we're going to be focused on, or I'm going to focus on this character, we're going to weave that one in. It was neat that it was you know kind of interconnected, and I don't really know how I feel about I thought it looked cool, um, like the artwork looked neat. Uh, it definitely gives you that like golden age type of feel, though. You know, from like the golden age of comics and just golden age in general. Like, like it just seems kind of like it's got that vibe to it, which was kind of neat because we're going back to the High Republic. So, yeah, yeah, I definitely love how grandiose the Jedi look in these uh, in the artwork, and the team that's building behind it is everything that I've been saying. Um, with Star Wars since the sequels have kind of came and gone, and it seems like, you know, I've given Lucasfilm a lot of I've ripped them a new one on multiple occasions, and the biggest one is not building universe before you tell a story, and this is one of those things, like, you know, Lindsay, you opened up the entire episode with, like, what is your most, uh, what is the thing you're most excited for with Celebration this year? I, if I go and I order tickets and I fly out and I party with my boys and and, and have fun, yeah, it, it's, it it's, is, it's it when, is, it's when you get your tickets. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, it is all for the High Republic right now because this is a world that is already being built before we even get the first story coming out. And that's what I want with my Star Wars. I want there to be a cohesiveness. I want there to be a care. And this is by all the top authors, not just Claudia Gray, not just Kevin Scott, not, I mean, it's Charles Soule, which to me is like groundbreaking storytelling with Star Wars. And he takes these comic books that a lot of people write off as just, oh, they're just little side canon shit. And he puts actual stories in there and heart. And this is like his second book. Like he's a comic book script writer and I follow a lot of his work. I read his Daredevil comic that he had. Um, I've read Darth Vader, Kylo Ren. Um, I'm reading his latest, uh, which is, uh, what is it called? American something, I forget. But I'm reading it. Um, And this is his second book, is Star Wars. So this is a huge deal. And this is my number one on my list because I think new stories, new era, new world is what we need to bring in new fans and new passion because I'm a little bit, sometimes I really go through it, man. There's sometimes where we turn on Sith talk and the passion just sometimes isn't there because there's been, there's not originality left in the brand. And I'm just desperately looking for that passion that we had a year ago with the rise of skywalker i'm yeah. desperately looking for that and i need something new right and, and i'll make i'll make a, a confession I've, I've already said this on on our podcast but just to you guys i did not watch rogue one or force awakens 
at the time they released. I was one of those folks that like, you know, grew up was what, what were we 11, 12 when the prequels started coming out. I loved all that so much. And then I had this great book series through the late nineties, early two thousands and so much, so much lore, the expanded universe, the legends, whatever you want to call it. And then when Disney bought out this whole franchise, I actually was very turned off. And, um, when they erased Canon, what, what, you know, was Canon, uh, that that was kind of a break for me. So it took me a while to even get back into all this. And it, it actually, John, it was actually Rogue One that kind of sparked me back up there. So uh, <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one for me. But um, but anyway, it, well, it was actually Rogue One. And then as with, with a former podcast that he used to do, kind of getting me back into it. So, I, you know, like Zach, I'm I'm... I didn't want to bury the lead too much there with the artwork, but like I am very excited about the books because so much of my grounding when I was younger was in the books. Um, so I am very excited about that. I, I want I want that foundation just like you to be to be well thought out, and I think we have we definitely have the writers to do that. It's just you know again when I looked at the when I looked at that picture when I'm when I'm getting that first that first picture of things, I was like, oh okay. And we'll kind of see, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so down for, for a new actual book series that I can sink my teeth into and, and sort of just explore a new, a new timeline. I have a question and you'd be great to, um, bounce off me with, because Zach is also a, a big fanatic for the, um, the, the, the old Republic and the older books and that lore that was built up. And my biggest question and thought about all this is that I don't have the biggest back catalog of knowledge of that period, but how they've described everything and how they've built this universe. And it's only, again, I think I've heard numbers thrown around about 500 years before or 400 years before the events of um, where we are at in Star Wars right now. How do they, or how do you think they will handle a fan base that has intense love for the Old Republic, which is supposedly in this canon, which granted it no longer quote-unquote exists, but they have dropped references over and over again to Old Republic stuff. How are they going to balance calling this you know, the, the High Republic, and they're making it very feel very old, much older than I thought they would for only 500 years. Um, where do they draw that line of referencing things that might be Old Republic and how much new do they build? That is my biggest question for how do they keep people happy? Because I just see a lot of people being like, well, where do they come up with this and why that? But in the Old Republic this, and it's like, I don't think you can get rid of that. That Sam, we're Star Wars fans. We're always happy about the decisions they make. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you for clearing that up. Well, Well, in your perfect world then. Yeah, no, I I think that there, there are a couple of characters that I think if you were to cut them out, you're going to get some, some, I don't know how big a backlash, but backlash. I think if you look at like somebody like Revan or Darth Bane or Malgus or I don't know, some of those type of characters, you're, you're probably gonna, you're probably gonna really upset a lot of people who, who dived into that deeply. Um, but I don't know. So so much so much of what what I was reading when I was younger was was so much so focused around Luke. 
um, and Mara Jade and you know the solos and their kids and the twins and going off and doing all this stuff. So that's obviously all been axed. Um, I, I think I think that there's there's a lot of room to grow, and I think one thing that they have an advantage with right now is the fact that all the writers are going at it together in a cohesion. It was the Wild West in the EU. I mean, you had um, you had some writers that were on another level, and then you had some writers that, you know, you could clearly tell were just trying to use big words for the sake of using big words type of deal. So I, I think... I think that the right now this series as it sits as it lies with the people that are involved I think will be a lot easier for people to digest just mainly because they have the ability to make a cohesive story and not bounce around all over the place but like I said if you if you eliminate the 3 that I mentioned earlier and I could probably think of a couple more that would probably irritate people but if you were to eliminate that completely retcon it get it out of there that that would be a problem. It would be a problem for me because I always I love those stories. I mean, I think the the way they seem to be getting around this is the fact that when we think you know legends and old expanded universe and what made the old republic so successful, it wasn't about the Jedi. You know, it was more Batman esque, where it was about the villains and the Sith. No one ever really talks about the famous Jedi of old. No one really cares about Commander Master Hoth anymore. But they care wrong. about those old <laughs> Sith Lords. You know, I'm just I'm like sitting here and I'm just like You're right. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's just it, you know? Now now they're drawing us back in by saying, here's some new villains. It's not gonna be the Sith, so we don't have to retcon the history of the Sith. We're going to focus a little bit more on the Jedi of old, and they're opening it up so much because from what I could tell with the character descriptions, they're doing away with the Jedi version of the rule of two. It doesn't seem like it's master apprentice reporting to the Grand Council. It really is more of here is your Jedi professor and here's the 20 students that they take on at any given time. The Jedi professor. (laughs) Hey, uh, if you're a fan of the old canon, it's definitely uh, uh, the Jedi Academy-esque, you know, when Luke's, like, teaching 20 people. Uh, I definitely think it's one of those things where they have plenty of time to tell these stories, and realistically, they're already working on films. Uh, I think think if we're going to get the Old Republic or something like it, it's going to be in the films, and that's what they're saving it for, and either A... The High Republic is a testing ground for if we really want high Jedi, high fantasy lore. Um, or it takes off and, you know, that's another pocket of, an, of a new thing that we could have. I mean, there's so much things that we still have in Star Wars to be excited for when it comes to this High Republic thing, when it comes to the Old Republic. You know, one of the biggest things that I constantly obsess about, which is stupid because it's in one episode of Rebels, but... I'm a KOTOR 2 fan, and I think about Malachor 5 all the time, which is now Malachor. So I constantly talk about that war. What happened? Why is everyone on Malachor Stone? How did that happen? What was the war? What is there a Mandalorian war? How much was that affected, and how different is it from the, the Legends to the new canon now? And so there's plenty of stories to tell. It's all about 
with the different uh, podcasters, even within your own podcast, like, what are you excited for? I'm an open book. And so Lindsay already knew before she even asked me. It's High Republic. It's Jedi video games. It's Jedi lore. Give me it all. But to everyone else, it's so different. That's what makes Star Wars truly great. I feel like that's actually kind of a, a good point to wrap up. Zach, the Lord of Lore, you just ended. Some, somehow of the six of us, you're the one who ended on that on that highly positive note. I don't know how that happened, but it did. <laughs> yeah, that's not um, his, his forte. No, yeah, no, so it's Most of the time I end in <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy rants and stuff. <laughs> I knew you'd find a way to sneak that in right at the the (laughs) final buzzer. (laughs) All right. Well, guys, um, hopefully we can all do this again in Anaheim. If not, we'll find some way to keep the magic going. Um, But I will, I guess, start the the final bows. Um, Everyone who isn't listening on Clashing Sabres or who doesn't know me from Clashing Sabres, feel free to check us out on any platform that you're listening to uh, this podcast on. We have shows for if you're really into the books. We have Starships, which really pairs off the different relationships in Star Wars. And of course, just shows to really take a deeper dive into characters, themes, or on Forever Star Wars, what it means to be a Star Wars fan. Uh, But more importantly, if you ever want to join us on Facebook or on Twitter, at Clashing Sabres. Um, we're also a nonprofit. So we do a lot of work and c- we will collect books, obviously connect- collect money, but even if you can just get the word out, um, our main goal is to put these stories back into, the s- into schools. We want to make sure that teachers all across right now America and soon even further are going to be able to share these with their students. So if that's something that you want to make sure your kids have access to, you can always check us out. Um, You can even just nominate teachers, whether you're a teacher yourself, friends are teachers, or your kids' teachers. You can go ahead and nominate those, and we'll work to get more books in their classrooms. Um, So that's really where you can find us over for Clashing Sabres. Or if you just want to talk to me personally, you can get me on Twitter, um, as Zach so nicely has christened me, at the Lady of Lore. Um, so Zach, why don't you, uh, you finish the, uh, or you take the next, uh, wrap up for us. Well, you can find us, uh, our show Sith talk under the adapter media feed on all places. Podcasts are found. Normally we drop episodes on Fridays, so you can check us out almost every Friday under the adapter media feed. And, um, just so you know, we are not as nice as Clashing Sabers. We are definitely the dirtbags of the Star Wars universe. So, um, I you can that, find us. Zach, t- I wouldn't say that. Hey, I'm just kidding. Um, but um, yeah, you can find us under the Adapter Media feed, um, and you can check out all of our merch under T Public under the Adapter Media feed. And again, we're always just talking a bunch of all things Star Wars. Like whether you love Tie Fighters, whether you love lore, we talk all of it—good, the bad, all of it. Yeah, Sam, why don't you uh, you finish up for Sith Talk then? Uh, I mean, if you guys are really interested in us as just people we also do other shows on adapter media we aren't limited to star wars uh so definitely check us out there if you're thinking that us two idiots are entertaining or something so <laughs> uh you can always look us up on instagram and twitter at sith talk or under adapter media that is ada i guess we should plug those other shows 
We do do them, don't we? <laughs> All right. Take it away from us. We've talked enough already. <laughs> All right. As why don't we kick it over to you? Uh, yeah. So uh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Womprat underscore 2M and I run a podcast called Hyperspace Hangout. Uh, we try to post about once a week, and uh, we kind of, honestly, um, if you're interested in sending your transmissions to us or an email, uh, we try to read those on the show and discuss just to sort of um, elevate the conversation a little bit. But I run that with my good buddy, Matt, and I'd say most of the time it's Friday or, or Monday that we post, uh, but we'll talk about anything and everything. Really just kind of depends on what our listeners want to talk about. So yeah, again, that's Hyperspace Hangout. Nice. Fogel, what about you? Yeah, again, uh, the Contingency Plan Podcast. Um I don't know. Sometimes if I feel like it, we do two shows a week. Uh, generally try and go over some of the comics when I, when I can. And then uh, me and my brother have our main show. Go over whatever's relevant. Uh, you know, wrapping up Clone Wars here uh, every week. Normally dropping sometime during the weekend and or Monday. Uh, but you can find us uh, social at TC Plan Podcast. And anywhere else you can find podcasts. All right. And John, land the ship. Uh, this is John with Balance of the Force podcast. You can find us on any of the major podcast platforms. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SWPodBalance. You can also find us on TeePublic at Balance of the Force Pod. We drop episodes every Monday and Thursday talking about anything and everything Star Wars. You want to find me individually, I'm at the real underscore JP3. You want to talk to Dave, he's at, uh, at DMN Sith Lord. On anything sociable, as he calls it. Uh, that's all we have for Balance of the Force. All right, guys. So I think we all agree that when we uh, see each other in person, as you're buying the first and second oh. and third and fourth rounds, right? <laughs> rounds. <Yeah>. Rounds. <laughs> okay. The, the, they will be there at, at the social. Yeah, I'll be there first. You guys just look for Ez, and I'll be sitting there with like 25, you know, beers. And it's really just for us. It's not for anyone well, if else. I... If I end up staying with you, dude, we'll just we'll just go and get, get it all ready Absolutely. right outside. We'll Absolutely. sell beer outside the hotel. Hey, it, 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 it'll be day one, and people are like, "What are you guys standing in line for?" I'm like, "The podcasting social. We're uh, you know that's all we're worried about." So. Uh, we're selling port in a storm. Yeah. <laughs> well done, sir. All right, boys. Uh, well, I will talk to you all later. But everyone else, thanks for hanging out with us. And we will uh, we'll do this again sometime soon. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use informational and educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.